Hi there, gentle listeners and lovely patrons. I am back. It sure has been a while, and I've missed you all. I've I've missed this. A very happy new year to you. I hope 2023 is treating you all very well so far. I'm hoping that my year will be better than the last. It was an exceptionally rough one for me, um, as you know, hence my absence for the last little while. But today I am easing myself back into podcasting with the third episode of the Polite Conversations After Show, which was a Patreon-exclusive side project I started just before all this tragic stuff happened in my life. If you've followed my recent updates, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, you can check out the last two releases on my podcast feed. Anyway, um, I recorded this episode with two of my oldest patrons and oldest Twitter friends, really. It was recorded just days before the incident, so it's been really hard for me to go back and edit because it still hurts quite a bit to hear the version of me from before. I don't really know why, but it does. I think there'll always be a clear divide in the before and after of my family's tragedy. And while it's hard to look back at our once regular lives and listen to my previous self, I I think it's part of the healing process too, to bring the two parts together. But you know, I felt so bad that I've had this recording sitting in my drive since the summer, basically, and I was just not in a place to do any podcasting work at all at the time. But now my dad is back home from the hospital, thankfully. He's an absolute miracle, he is. So brave and tough in his 80s. He's worked so, so hard to get to where he is in his recovery and still working on his mobility every day. And once again, thank you to everyone who contributed to the GoFundMe campaign. That chairlift thing has been life-changing in this situation. Thank you to all my patrons who didn't leave my Patreon while I couldn't regularly put out content. It just means so much. I don't think I can even put into words how much it meant. Anyway, I am feeling a lot stronger emotionally now and really looking forward to jumping back into podcasting and just to have some sense of normalcy, you know? I have loads of things lined up, gotta wrap up the first season of Woking Up, finally, and uh, hopefully start working on the next one. Um... But yeah, boy, it seems that in the last six months or so, since I haven't been as online, like, so much has fucking changed. We have so, so much to catch up on. There's a whole lot of Trumpy Elon bullshit, for one, and fuck, we thought Twitter was a hell site before, eh? Just look at it now. There's been dick-sized discourse for days, which has been highly entertaining and strange at times. And heck, Sam Harris himself has quit Twitter, at least for now, I guess. He did have a few incredible takes before he left, though, which I did make note of. But while I compile the next Woking Up, um, check this out. 
The After Show, Episode 3. And if you're a patron, please listen to this episode via Patreon because the public release version is not the full episode. If you're not a patron, then you should become one if you'd like to listen to and participate in the After Show. We're only just getting started with that, so I hope to have more regular episodes of that too. And uh, apologies if some of these topics are not as current in the culture war, because remember, this recording is a few months old. But you know, it didn't age so badly, actually, because... These galaxy brain characters are still being ridiculous in all the same ways. A lot certainly has changed in the last six months, but also a lot hasn't. Anyway, here's a very late episode three with patrons Thomas and Martin. Enjoy. Is this like after more coffee? Drink more coffee? I don't drink coffee. What? I don't. What? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. Do you drink any Blasphemer. Blasphemer. <laughs> I have a lot uh, of weird food shit. I do. Uh, okay. She's a nice man goes. What you gonna do? Hello, hello. Welcome to the after show. A brand spanking new series, Patreon exclusive, brought to you by Polite Conversations. By Polite Conversations. This is where I'm hoping to get to know you a little better, dear patrons. This will be the place to come hang out for a casual chat. Let's talk about all things, woking up and polite conversations and Twitter spaces and whatever else you'd like to discuss. More content, more conversations, more fun, and even more rationality. Welcome everyone to the third episode of the Polite Conversations After Show, and I'm here with uh, what do we call what what do we call you guys? The Exiled Irishman. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> we'll explain more about that uh, in a bit. But if you're listening to this, you are probably a patron because this is a Patreon exclusive series, sort of behind-the-scenes conversations with patrons. And if you are hearing the sample version of this, you know you want more of it, so you should be a patron. Anyways, hello, hello. I am here with Martin and Thomas, both very um, long-time patrons, and I mean, I feel like I've known you guys for so long that even though we don't know each other IRL, I feel like we totally totally do i think yeah pretty much yeah i think martin you were my absolute first ever ever patron when nobody knew who i was or cared about my work martin you supported me oh thank you Uh, you're welcome and thomas soon after that you came along yay yay (laughs) i like to follow martin in most things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so ex- he's my cleanup guy. <laughs> Your cleanup guy. So explain why you're the exiled Irishman and why we have a who. One of you named our Twitter DM. Yeah, I, that was me. Um, so basically, I thought I really like these people. Uh, we seem to have a lot in common. Um, we have fun chatting, um, DMing, liking each other's tweets, and so we started a little DM group and. Uh, 
I've and we can, been... We, we can kind of share that. things that maybe other people wouldn't get. Exactly. Most of it is bashing the United Kingdom <laughs> and specifically England. I mean, full disclosure. Um, so I think that's sort of the Irish side coming out. But I feel like uh, Ina has plenty of reasons of her own uh, historical reasons <laughs> to also bash the UK and everything English. To be fair, so, it's mostly you guys doing yeah. the, uh, you know, vocal UK bashing. Yeah. I'm just, uh, it's, it's just so satisfying. <laughs> I'm um, there for the <laughs> Douglas Murray bashing specifically. Uh, and, yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, as you can probably hear from our accents, um, I have, uh, not been in Ireland much lately. Uh, and Martin has, more recently, shall we say, uh, I've lived most of my life in the United States, in the Northeast, and um, came over with my Irish mother and American father when I was a four-year-old boy, uh, but an atheist even at that time. Mm. So. Wait, who who is an? You were an atheist at four years old. I was an atheist then. Yes. Wow, you were like um, hardcore, man. Were you like correcting yeah. grandmas that were like? Praying for shit with your <laughs> no, just nobody, nobody really told me about God. Oh, okay, so I didn't believe in right, God right, right. Them. Yeah, cool. And Martin, yeah. tell us your uh, exiled Irishman story. So I, on the other hand, spent my childhood and my early life in Ireland. I grew up in a small town in the west of Ireland, which is about as far from civilization as you could get. Uh, and my upbringing was actually very Catholic, very, uh, very religious. I remember my mother loves to remind me that when I was a child, I used to tell her I wanted to be either the, uh, I wanted to be the Pope or I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've, I've thought about that and I think maybe it's just the white gear that would, that they wear. Maybe that was what appealed to me. I don't know. But I was a very kind of observant Catholic, and I think it was around the time when I was about 14, when I was sent to a Catholic boarding school, that I started uh, asking questions and um, kind of figuring out my own answers, and yeah, that was it. I was pretty much atheist by about, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. I was a latecomer compared to Thomas. And that's when you thought you were smarter, smarter than everyone else? And Oh, yes, yes. I was very edge lord even at that time. I was I was edge lord before it was cool. Ah. So I I was I lived in Ireland until I was about thirty, and then I moved to London. Lived there for in the heart of the beast. Talking about uh, going after the English. Um, I lived there for about seven years, and then I moved. I'm currently living in Madrid. That's right. And I've been here for six, sixteen years. Oh yeah. So. Wow. We can only allow other exiled Irishmen into our DM group, even though I am not Irish or exiled or a man. You're honorary, honorary Irish. Wait, you're not Irish? No. Wait. Yeah, I'm not. A, <laughs> I've been hoping you wouldn't notice. Stop the presses. <laughs> you're honorary. Ah, awesome. Yes, yes. Awesome. See, <laughs> you guys are sometimes nice to me. Just don't try and do an accent. <laughs> I could never dream of doing it one. No, that's a difficult one. Yeah. You were going to give me an Irish lesson, though, Martin. There was something you that's right. wanted me to say. Yes, I wanted you to title the podcast uh, Patrons Egg Egg Conch. Patrons Egg Conch. Very good, very good. Any Irish listeners will know what that means. 
it means it, it means patrons talking basically ah okay okay great patrons are talking we're talking for real now and not in twitter dms wanted to talk kind of about like martin and, and i have this sort of shared heritage you know kind of i think our religious backgrounds if you go back basically two generations might be identical but mm. you know mm-hmm. uh i was just fortunate enough to have parents kind of leaving the church before i was born hmm. so almost which part which part of the country were your parents from so my you father is, is american uh but he actually has a bunch of relatives in ireland so um my mother is from Dublin, so mm-hmm. yeah, a dub, mm-hmm. a dub. The Dublin people and the rest of the country don't really get on very well. <laughs> we kind of regard them; it, they believe that they're very metropolitan, of course, and and that they're better than everyone. But the rest of the country absolutely despises them. So, oh, that's what people say about Toronto. I, oh, yeah. I think it's true for all the big cities. Yeah, maybe yeah. you know Paris or probably Madrid for that matter. Mm, good point there. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Owned. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was going to say something, but I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, yeah. So we just had a kind of interesting your conversion deconversion experience, Martin, is kind of similar to like what I heard from my mother that she was just mm-hmm. very devout Catholic. And she kept asking questions, and nobody wanted to answer her, so she just kind of got fed up and quit the church at about 16, mm. I think, and uh, it had no interest in religion or in bringing me up with any. I should also point out, I had many priests in that boarding school beating the crap out of me as well, so that kind of attitude as well. Yeah, it oh, kind of ruins the fun. Yikes, yeah. Fortunately, the only thing I suffered was beatings and not some of the other stuff. Right. Holy shit, mm-hmm. yeah. The boarding school that I went to, if you've heard the story about the 500 uh, babies and children that were found yeah. in a, buried in a septic yeah. tank, Absolutely. That, that was only about 150 yards from where I went to school. <gasps> wow. That's horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah knew nothing about it i would imagine the locals kind of you know because these kind of myths and little things unspoken things that kind of go around the locality i'm sure the locals knew about it but no one said anything and then it only came out years later so that was a shock every time i think about that i think about the horrible residential schools in canada yeah also run by the Catholic mm-hmm. church as a matter mm-hmm. of fact so there is a commonality there but it does seem like there were some unspeakable horrors that happened and um you know, behind kind of closed doors. Which, of course, a lot of these um, IDW types that we've, you know, keep tabs on have <sighs> denied, like, blatantly. Uh, Douglas Murray and his podcast tour promoting his War on the West posh white nationalism book has been <laughs> all over saying that, no, there's no evidence for this. And it's, it's just so awful. And... I mean, where have these guys, like, fallen to? Can can you imagine, like, the other day Richard Dawkins mm. was uh, publicly <laughs> talking about how he's now affiliated with Barry Weiss's clown university? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Talk about rational skepticism. That's just an, uh, one of his senior moments, unfortunately. His entire outlook now is a senior moment. Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, I don't think you can blame it entirely on that, because I think he was a reactionary and douchebag forever. He was, yeah. It's just 
I'm just embarrassed that I came to Dawkins late and I didn't realize what he had already done and said, um, you know, when I kind of encountered him in maybe 2014 or something, Hmm. he was already a total asshole then. Um, and all of that elevator gate nonsense that happened. Yeah. And I, I didn't even really know about it till later. Same, same. So I, it was just embarrassing when I oh, oh, God, I've been following this guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think he retweeted well, something I, I made of him once, and it was just, oh. it did ridiculous numbers. And I cringe when I think about that now. Oh, yeah. Similar thing happened to me. I remember I tweeted some caricature that someone had drawn of him. And I, yeah, it was just that, like, if someone had drawn him with a, I don't know, you know, typical type of caricature, and I tagged the person who had drawn it in the tweet, and he retweeted it, and I just went insane, yeah. So I was very proud of myself at the time, but then very embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> I first knew him about back in 2004 or something, it was a good while ago. Yeah. 2004, you were on Twitter? Did what? No, no, I, that I first <laughs> ran into Richard Dawkins, like, that I first learned about him and everything he did. Ah, okay, okay, right. Yeah, and, and there's no, and like, there's no doubt yeah, the influence. In the UK, you would have known him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no doubt as well. You know, the influence he had on me because he articulated all of that so so well, and it was, you know, it was so easy to, you know, you can't deny that. But it's just, you know, he's he's kind of like an older Bill Maher at this point. Yeah, Bill Maher's become so terrible. And uh, Martin, I think me and you probably have a similar experience in terms of, you know, asking the questions and thinking your way out of religion only to find mm-hmm. yourself among these guys and thinking, oh, mm-hmm. you know, here's a reasonable group of people that will look at things, you know, skeptically and ask questions. And But here they are proving the exact opposite of that now, that they'll just embrace anything that is anti-woke. Any day, even if it means Dawkins is promoting like evangelical, you know, Christian nationalist events that begin with a prayer, only because they're anti woke. I mean, it's extraordinary how when I think when you think back and you think of all those people you followed, all the you know the, everything that they wrote and and all of this, and you, you try and search now and think, what you know, were, were there any signs there? Did I miss something? Did, was there? Because you assumed, we all assumed, we're all progressives, we're all mm-hmm. on the same team, and whether they were just hiding it, or whether, you know, with the, with the safety and numbers of the internet, did they just decide to let their guard down? I don't know, it's... Yeah, I feel or, or like... Or did something happen? Did it shift, right? Sorry, I jumped in, mm. but, yeah, no, that was my question, you know, in about 2016, it felt like the whole world kind of cracked in two, you know, yeah. like, drifted apart. And I was definitely on the left, and I was definitely going to go with that side. But, like, all these people I was following closely and fans of and bought their books. And God, wow. so many hours of Sam Harris debating idiots. And <laughs> just, it's so painful to think about. You know? And you can see now that they pick, like, deliberately all this low-hanging fruit to make themselves seem so smart, like debating... Uh-huh religious fundies and creationists and things like that. It's not really a big deal to feel better than that or feel smarter when you're talking to them. Or worse, when they find common ground, when they discover, hey, we have more in common than we thought. Oh, yeah, like with Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's just a grift, right? Like, I mean, I think at some level it's just a grift. Like, they always kind of were in on it, and it was always a cover you know, like now, what do you mean when you say grift? Because I think that there's like a few 
ways that people use it. I think that the grift is pretending to be a liberal and mm. not being a liberal at all. And I think that's mm-hmm. the Sam Harris grift, like mm-hmm. just not being a liberal. I mean, he's not in any way. There's a few areas I suppose like he, he kind of technically is, but it's so weird because he's just so far right in so many other ways. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they just saw a lot of them do that. Ru- yeah. Yeah. Ruben, obviously. Dave Ruben, Ruben does that as well. That Ruben was the like original that. template, but yeah. I don't think he does it anymore. Yeah. He doesn't do it. No, I don't think he's, no. It doesn't wash but, anymore because they feel, you know, their voices get heard um, and amplified by the right more if they claim that they're liberal and they're cleaning up their side. And, exactly. You know, if they just came out at the beginning and said, oh, I'm a conservative too, their voice would just get lost with all the other conservative voices. So this is a way they use to kind of immediately get pushed to the front of the queue and to kind of say, hey, listen to this guy. He's a liberal. So, And if he's yeah. saying this, then, then, you know. Exactly, exactly. Saying and, that and the liberals are gone crazy and you know, lost their mind. Yeah, look, even, even their own can't tolerate them anymore. That's, I mean, exactly. Bill Maher is the biggest example of that right now, right? I mean, yeah. he's just... But I also don't think he's really grifting now. So I guess I have different opinions about different people. I mm. think Sam Harris is just full of shit and a liar, you know. I agree with your definition of grift here. And so I use it in that way often for these IDW types. Yeah. But people assume yeah. that I'm talking about a financial grift. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm not like in some cases, maybe like with Dave Rubin, there's definitely an element of grifting for money, but there's also an element of of, the lying kind of grifting, a kind of notoriety grift. Yeah. They just want to be a a figure. I think they're addicted to fame. A lot of the time. I think the fame, it's like intoxicating to them. I think, I think Dave Rubin is chasing acceptance and fame and love and all these things that he's not, you know, trying to get somehow, but I don't, I think he also wants money. I think a lot of them do, but like Sam Harris doesn't need money, you know? Yeah. It was never really about the money for him. We know he's golden girl, golden boy or whatever he is. Um, (laughs) you know, he's, they are, that's not it it for him. I think it's like social capital or something, you know, he wants to be an influencer. Yeah. Listen, Dave Rubin's, Dave Rubin's origin story is, is kind of that he was on the young Turks, wasn't he? Right. Yeah, no, he was, and and yeah, and one of them, I think it was, I forget which one of them it was, was talking about him after he left, and they said that, yeah, he he was all, when he was there, he was always pushing for more money. He wanted more money. Yeah, and that was all. I he think was that about. was Anna Kasparian kind of outed him yeah. in that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's why he left because he just wanted to go out on his own just to to make money because he said, I'm just I'm I'm limited here. I can't. He didn't say it out loud, but it was just clearly what he was thinking, that he wanted to. Hmm. It was all about the money, and he was going to align with whoever it took to to, uh, to get that. And look at the extent that he's willing to go to. It's just, it's sunk lower and lower and lower. It's yeah. well, I, always I think now, now he just has, he has nowhere to turn now, I think. He's, he's, burned, all like, he's, he's burned all these bridges. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just watched that video. I think it was, like, Lance, you know, your old friend from the surfs there. He, uh... He had a great video on Peterson. I mean, I've been watching all those Peterson clips of his video. And he's, he's interviewing, or Ruben's interviewing him. They're having a conversation, and it's just amazing. Like, mm. it's so pathetic. It's like he just keeps digging himself deeper into, like, a more pathetic hole. Oh, yeah, Peterson was saying that there's uh, all these issues with being 
a gay parent and then he's like laying them out for Ruben and Ruben's just sitting there yeah 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 I, I I completely agree of course I don't deny the importance of a mother and yeah when religious fundamentalists say this stuff I I completely sympathize and it's like dude oh, there's no self respect none whatsoever <laughs> it's, it's yeah. kind of, if, you, if you listen to him saying that you expect a butt to come along and I guess it never did yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree with you, Anna. You're totally right. Yeah. And Peterson's trying to like appease him, or just like be like, you know, it's okay. Nobody's, Kinda? yeah, n nobody's really perfect. Like there are some, you know, parents that are drug addicts, or you know, I actually think Ruben said that himself. That's what Glenn Beck said. Remember, he was like, "I'm an alcoholic." And you're a gay man, and they're the same because they're both sins. I'm like, really, <laughs> really. And then Ruben said it himself in uh, the Peterson interview. He was like, you know, of course nobody's a perfect parent. There are some who are drug addicts, some who are this. And of course, I'm not comparing uh, gay parents to drug addicts or anything. But you know, nobody is really perfect. He, I mean, he is comparing <laughs> while saying he isn't. And it's just oh, uh, total brainworms. Do you remember when these guys used to say that we couldn't let in more Muslim immigrants because they're too homophobic to be allowed into this great utopia of the West that has now overcome this issue and you know they've made it so taboo yeah. and I mean Sam Harris would talk about how racism is so taboo in the West and that's how it should be you know people should challenge these things but the second that you know these things started to get more and more challenged in the media Sam Harris completely turned it around it's like what racism barely exists we're in the last lap and everyone's like you know making things about racism fringe of the fringe we've made so much progress why do you have to keep pushing for more mm -hmm. i mean it's so ironic right like muslims in america are like actually pretty liberal i mean they're much more liberal than christians are on average and like don't have any real impact on public policy and right now like this country is going to hell um but it's not because of the Muslims, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, but yet them and the woke left is what we should spend our time worrying about. White supremacists, far-right terrorism, nah, nothing. Wow, it's exhausting. Is there an it's, end point? Like, I really want to know, like, is there a point where, like, the, the, I don't know if it's a grift, but whatever, this narrative just runs out of gas, and, like, they can't keep it up anymore. You know? Yeah, I remember thinking that, okay, when Trump was elected, like, okay, okay, yeah. this is the time they will all show everyone that they, you know, this is when I was still on the edge questioning, but like, you know, hoping that they really aren't as bad as people say they are. And I was like, okay, now they will definitely refocus and prioritize things that are obviously a bigger danger than the the left. Mm. But that never happened. The right got worse and worse and worse. And even just now, after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, what was, ironically, the conversation that Sam Harris released on that day? It was with anti-abortion yeah. uh, religious fundee David French. David French. Yeah. And uh, on that day, David French tweeted some like awful thing like, oh, this is a great day for justice and Ugh. blah, blah, blah. It has been a long time coming or in the making. And 
Just the juxtaposition of Sam Harris releasing that episode. I know he didn't time it to be that way, obviously, and they probably had that conversation before, but he could have probably just not released it on the day. Yeah, you know? I don't really get what he's doing. Like, I don't really understand, you know? I, I guess at this point, it just feels so fake, and I, I don't know. Yeah, even with the Uvalde uh, episode, he was both sidesing the whole issue. Oh. Um, and just his most recent episode was about like why wealth matters. It's like, what, <laughs> what planet is this guy living on? He's not worried. Like he doesn't seem too bothered at all. The urgency with which he has done monologue upon monologue, addressing the woke left, uh, you know, or, you know, talking about how Joe Rogan is actually the cure to fucking racism, you know? Mm. It's like... <laughs> wow. In my, in my more charitable moments, I sometimes feel that he's just... He, he's garnered this following without even realizing it. And when, when he did, he knew he couldn't live without it. He couldn't do without it. And so he's just trying to tread this tightrope. I say in my charitable moments, that's what I think. <laughs> but I know it's not true because when then I hear some of the stuff he says... Some of the stuff you put in the in the Woking Up series, mm. which is just beyond the pale. It's it's brain worms again. Yeah, and the funny thing is that he goes on and on about how, unlike other people, he has ensured that he wouldn't be captured by his audience or led by his audience <laughs> in any direction because he pisses off both the right and the left. I mean... Only to a certain extent. Like, he hasn't embraced Trump, and I think that's the line, right? Like, he that's has it, this yeah. one thing that he doesn't do. Access this brand new Patreon exclusive series by becoming a patron today. 